Yo, what's good everybody and welcome to My Mum Thinks She's a Rapper, the podcast episode one. And listen, it don't get any realer than this. This is going to be the realest podcast you are going to hear. Number one, I don't even know if you can hear me. Um, If you can hear the noise in the background, if you can work out what's going on. I'm on my way to work. This is the only time, literally... I get to do anything related to my creativity so I have to take those opportunities and you know I've ordered a mic Um, if you follow me on social media you might have seen that I posted up that I got my podcast mic my recording mic delivery and I'm very 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 happy about it but I don't have time to set it up (laughs) and do this professionally and like in a in a professional capacity with you know I've got a good mic and it's got a stand and you know I've got a nice little place in the corner where I can set up my podcast I ain't got time bruv you get me like I just don't have the time so you get this when you get this and if you don't like the sound quality I'm sorry there's nothing I can do about it time is the only thing we have and I've got to make the most of the time that I do have so I'm doing it um, and for those of you who may be worried because I'm traveling don't worry I'm completely safe I'm not using a mobile phone um, I have hooked myself up neatly so why have I done this podcast why is it called my mum thinks she's a rapper to be totally honest with you anybody who's been following me over the last few years you know I'm a rapper you know I do spoken words or you may not Um, but my career has only ever been subpar and a lot of that has been because not you know I haven't been a mum for all of it to my to my kids but I have um, I have been responsible in my family um, for a lot of my life you know I've been partly responsible for my sisters my younger sisters big up my sisters them um i played a massive role in their lives when they were growing up i was just working like mad hours as well like before i got into the charity sector i worked for royal mail for eight years i was like working in one of the head offices i climbed the ladder i was really ambitious like corporately ambitious um and i climbed the ladder getting promotion after promotion and yeah I was chasing the money man I was chasing the money I was chasing the material but I also enjoyed being um, a manager and working for RML but throughout that time throughout my career I kept having this niggling feeling like I weren't being me and it didn't suit me because I care about people and I always have done Um, and basically whilst I was there I kept expressing to my boss um, that you know my heart is where charity is and he even managed to find me a role where I was a charity coordinator for our business unit so I did that for about a year or so but basically our like my day job got so busy that I couldn't even really do it so that fell by the wayside and my hunger just kept growing and growing and growing and growing and then I did a counselling course in 2014 and after that that was it man it was a wrap I 
did that I was volunteering at a charity called Body and Soul and I was like I've got to get out of this world I've got to get out and you know what it's one of the biggest lessons I learned yeah you see back then you know we always talk we always think in our heads yeah oh when I earn a certain amount of money I'm gonna be so happy let me tell you something let me be real 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 talk and real honest with you back then I was earning almost 50 grand a year and I was renting a room in South London paying 400 pound a month all in so can you imagine can you imagine how much money I had I didn't have no responsibilities back then I was living in a room paying 400 pound a month deep that for a second earning almost 50 grand a year my savings account was crazy I basically had a mortgage deposit in my savings account yeah the amount of money I used to spend on clothes and trainers was ridiculous like not not even expensive like I've never been one of these to go Bond Street and buy loads of designers yet I would go to normal shops like H&M or I might go to Urban Outfitters or whatever but I would just buy a lot so I would go to I'm probably like one of the only people who can go to Primark and spend £200 in Primark <laughs> I'm just one of them people I just like a lot of things um, and then after a while I realised that it's a bit dead like how many pairs of tra um, trainers can you have well no actually I can't say that because I can always have pair trainers but how many pairs of jeans can you have like at one point I had 23 pairs of jeans and I only rotated 3 of them like what kind of madness is that it's mental and let me explain something to you yeah when I got on my family and when I say that so let me tell you the brief of the story I met my girlfriend on the counselling course um, and basically like we got together she's got two boys I never wanted children I was never gonna have children but I fell in love with her and she came with two little people so I was like, rah, I gotta take a step back. I'm gonna become a mum. Like, I'm a step mum. I'm actually gonna become a mum. Can I handle that? And I was like, do you know what? And and bless her, she actually gave me the choice. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, she said to me, it's up to you how much involvement you wanna have. But I'm an all or nothing person. I'm all in. If we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this properly. So, yeah, like, we got together, we got our place, you know, we got our own place. And then um, my role changed in Royal Mail, which meant that I wasn't working from home four days a week anymore. I had to be in the office because I became the operational manager of the office, yeah? So, long story short, I was not happy. I was not happy. Every Saturday night, I would lay on my bed and cry my eyes out that I had to go back to work on Monday morning. Every Saturday night for the last I'd say eight months of my time at Royal Mail and that is that's not a stab at Royal Mail it's not a stab at the the people that I was working with or anything like that it's just I was not happy anymore I was not happy doing that job anymore I'd outgrown it it wasn't for me that particular that particular role taught me a lot but I didn't really want it it just wasn't where I was at anymore had I had still been single, it might have felt different. But I now had a new purpose. I now had children. I now was in a relationship. I was building a family unit. 
and all of a sudden the things that used to matter to me didn't matter to me anymore and you would think having a family and earning uh, earning children <laughs> having a family and having children you would think that you would want to earn as much money as possible to support them and I did but having all of that money was not making me happy the only thing that would make me happy was to leave and go and fulfill my dream of working with young people and so I did I left I joined a charity called Safe for London I worked with them for a year and a half um, and then basically it really became difficult so I got a job in a school because I thought you know what working in a school and having time off and being able to support the kids at half terms and make it cheaper and easy for us is probably going to be a good way around it especially because it was a lot less money than what I was on before Ram let me tell you I worked in a in a school for about nine months I couldn't do it because I worked in this I worked with kids with special educational needs right so you have to have extreme amounts of patience extreme amounts of empathy and understanding and extreme amounts of energy um, to keep going and you've got to have the thickest skin because they're gonna say some shit to you bro they're gonna say some shit and you can't you just cannot um, take it personal so I was very good at my job and I really enjoyed it and I absolutely loved the kids that I was working with the problem became half term I'd used all of my patience and empathy and everything in my tank with the kids at school that when I got home I was too tired to give that to my children so come half term I don't want to get up and take you to the to, to Gambardo's or take you to the park I don't want to do that brother I want to sleep I'm tired yeah I am tired and you lot are just on me you're on me I just want you to sit there and watch TV because TV I don't care what anybody says you can cuss TV all you want yes we know that TV does subliminals yes we know all of that let me tell you something if you're a parent you know TV is the best babysitter there is bruv <laughs> I'm just gonna keep it real yeah yes we monitor what they watch yes we monitor how long they watch it for yes we get them out but when you're tired, I'm not talking about when you've worked 50 to 60 hours a week and you're slumped at the end of the week and then you can sleep 12 hours over the weekend. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're a parent and you're tired. There's nothing like it. There is nothing like that kind of tiredness. And you think it will never end. It's a perpetual cycle of tiredness. And it can really send you into a depressive state. This is why most people drink alcohol, you know. I'm keeping it real with you, bruv. I don't I used to judge parents, you know. I used to judge parents that smoked. I used to judge parents that drink. I don't judge anybody anymore. I don't do any of those things only because it's just not my thing, yeah. But bruv, trust me, if I didn't have asthma, ah, ah, me and the weed man would be brethren. I don't care what you think about that. I am just gonna keep it 100 with you. It is hard work. It is the best thing that can ever happen to the human being, but it is hard work, yeah? 
So yeah, I had to leave. I had to leave the school because I just didn't have the energy. Um, and the funny thing is, I actually got a phone call from Safe London saying, yeah, like, you want to come back? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, right, cool. So I went back, stayed there for about another, I don't know, like eight months. And then I got a job as a youth worker in Tottenham. That was sick. And then after that, mate, do you know what? With all of the violence that I saw, all of the knife crime that I was dealing with, the gun crime, I said, I don't want my boys growing up like this. I don't, I met so many young people, yeah, who truly believed that they had to carry a knife. They weren't even gangsters, they weren't gang members, but they truly believed that they had to carry a knife because if they didn't, any night of the day could be their end. And how could I tell them that they were wrong? A lot of them, this, this was lived experience. This was lived experience of young males who had been coming home from football training or something, something's going on they're coming home and they're getting stopped with the usual question of where are you from what you're doing around here blah 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 and they're having to run for their lives and I thought to myself do you know what I don't want my kids to ever have to make that choice I really don't I really do not because I'm the type of mum yeah bruv bruv I grew up, I was born in Lewisham, yeah? I, I grew up in South London. If you're coming to my kids with this kind of foolishness, I might just go to jail. I'm not joking. I'm, I'm not joking. I'm not trying to sound hard or anything like that. But when you have kids, it just makes... Boy, I don't know. When you have kids, yeah, you can really, 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 really do things that are completely out of character and you know completely irrational because of your love for your children so I'm not so sure that if something like that happened to my kids I could be that mum that would call 999 I just don't I just don't know I mean my girlfriend probably could but boy anyway <laughs> anyway so because of that and also the growing um, expense in London I mean Jesus Christ I genuinely don't know how anyone like any parent can afford to live in London I don't I don't know how you guys are doing it I just don't it's crazy like a joint salary in a free bed house in South London a joint salary of what 60k and we're still not getting through the month how is that possible like how is like how is that possible bruv we would never be able never ever ever be able to buy a house in london and live comfortably it's it's just not possible so you know what we up sticks and left we're now in the countryside um, hopefully one day this podcast will turn into a visual podcast and I can get some footage of where I live and I can show you how beautiful it is I don't know if you can hear the rain right now it's coming down, it rains a lot here I don't really care because you know what 
I never get sick of the view. I never ever get sick of the view of where I live. It's incredible. Um, what I am going to do though is I'm going to stop it there because I have no idea of the sound quality of this. I have no idea of how much you can hear of me, especially with the rain. And this is keeping it too real. So you know what? I'm going to end it there, bruv. Um, because with the rain, obviously it's getting a bit dangerous. And hopefully the podcast doesn't sound too horrific to listen to. Um, so I'm going to listen back to it, make sure it's okay. And get ready to record the next episode probably at the end of the week. Alright guys, thanks for listening man. Thank you so much.